uh, Luke chapter 2, 8 to 20. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Saviour, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favours. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Evening, everyone. How alert is everyone tonight? You've had a busy week, haven't you? And some of you had a very busy uh, weekend. We better ask for God's help. Let's just pray. Uh, Father, please guard and guide what I say and please keep us alert. Please keep us just aware of your word and the message that you have for each one of us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last night, Di and I went to see the last, or at least ways the latest, Star Wars. And um, just, who's seen it so far? Cool. Uh, where's Kate? Where's Kate? Okay. Have you seen it yet? You haven't seen it yet. How many have you seen? Zero. Zero. Look, uh, clap your hands or something, because that's amazing. <laughs> she has seen none of the Star Wars. You are in for such a treat. When you do start, it'll be like having it all over again. And it actually starts in um, uh, episode four, just you probably know that, don't you? And it was uh, called uh, The Last Hope, which is really interesting. A new hope, a new hope, of course, yes. We saw our last hope last night, didn't we? Um, as a matter of fact, you could say that uh, each of them had a different title, but they could have been um, Star Wars, A New Hope, and then the next one could have been A New New Hope, and the next one could have been A New 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 Hope, right up to... Uh, episode 8, we're up to that, aren't we? Including prequels, 9. Did we see 9 last night, did we? <laughs> We've missed something, I think. Well, <clears throat> this is the last talk in our Christmas trilogy, that's three, um, on the reason for hope. And um, on Christmas Eve, we found that there's a reason for hope because God knows when to turn up. God had it planned exactly. When God turned up in the flesh on that first Christmas, uh, it was the right time. And then on Christmas Day, we found that um, we have a reason for hope because God offered, offered up himself. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God turned up to be the saviour. And today, first Sunday after Christmas, we have a reason for hope because... Well, the original sentence was, God offers hope to all people. I'd like just to extend it a little bit and say, we have a reason for hope because 
God offers hope for peace to all people. And um, yeah, what, what's the most important word in that sentence as far as you're concerned? Just think about that for a moment. We have a reason for hope because God offers hope for peace to all people. Well, I'd like to suggest that it's not the word hope and it's not the word peace, but it's the word God is the most important. Although many would say it's either hope or hope for peace together. Um, They would like to have hope, especially a hope for peace, but without any reference to God. But this is the idea, this is the premise, the basic idea behind uh, Luke chapter 2, that um, the kind of peace, the hope for peace that is presented in Luke chapter 2, you don't have just by tacking God on onto the end of it. It starts with God. It's the peace that God offers Everything else will be found to be uh, not quite the same sort of peace, not the same sort of hope that you can have. Uh, The shepherds were um, going about their job on their night shift and um, they were not probably expecting it to be the night when uh, they'd never forget. Then an angel turns up and it wasn't one of those incognito moments that you read about, say, in the Old Testament where you're not too sure who this person is who's come along and talking to Abraham or someone, and um, it's only revealed a long way along, uh, along the story that it is an angel from heaven. They sort of sometimes come incognito. But this time, it's spectacular. Because in verse 9, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, look, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news, and this good, uh, good news is of great joy that will be for all the people. An angel is a messenger from heaven, straight from God. And he was sent to these shepherds with good news from God. Now, you know what the difference is between good news and good advice? Just think about it for a moment. Good news uh, tells you, about something that you don't know about, it tells you about what someone else has done. If you are involved in it, it's not news. So they come along saying they've got good news as something that has been done. The focus is on someone else, not on the shepherds. Good advice is when you're told to do something that is good for you and the focus is on you. But the passage we're looking at, we see that is actually very God-focused. The message was to the shepherds, and it concerned them. And as we're reading this, I hope you see that it actually concerns us as well. We're sort of, we're brought up, we're caught up in what the shepherds are actually experiencing here. Uh, But the focus is on what God has done, what he has already done, and what he's going to do. The angel has a newsflash, and that... um, News flash for the shepherds, it was starting in verse 8, where it says, Today, a Saviour, who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David, in Bethlehem. And the message finishes when, uh, with an army of angels singing. Um, 
in verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel. Now, the word host there, it's got a different meaning today. You know, you think of a host as someone who's holding out the platter and going around saying, would you like some hors d'oeuvres? Can I pay anybody? That's not what the angels were doing. The host is another word there for army. It would have been terrifying. It would have been awesome. And uh, so this news, it's about peace, but it's about what God has done and is doing to bring about peace. Uh, One of the uh, most well-known, and maybe not to you, but one of the most well-known Afro-American spiritual songs is a song called Down by the Riverside. Some of you older ones would probably heard it. You know, going to lay down my heavy load, down by... Does anyone want to break out in the song? You know it. And the chorus uh, actually uh, goes, ain't going to study war no more, study war no more. And that song came about, it was actually... Uh, it was around before the um, American Civil War, but it, be, it became published and people began singing it in 1918. Now, for those who have done history at school, what is significant about 1918? It's the year that World War I ended. There seemed to be a reason for hope. Surely the world would have learned something after the death of between 20 and 22 million people because of that war. Surely they learned something about it and therefore we're not going to study war no more because uh, we've learned it's a stupid thing to do. Um, and World War I became known as the war to end all wars. That phrase, that expression, actually came about by an English uh, science fiction writer called H.G. Wells. And people caught on to it and they thought, that's a really way of, good way of thinking of, of it. World War I is the war to end all wars. But then after a while, when people used that expression, the war to end all wars, they realised you, you can't say it with a straight face. It's sort of being said ironically after that, and especially when 1939 came. And those who haven't done history at school or you've forgotten it, 1939, World War II begins. And over 60 million people were killed. 50 million of them were civilians. Not as many people were singing at the end of World War II, ain't going to study war no more. They didn't have that expectation. They didn't have a hope for peace. And apart from so-called peace between countries, people are searching for peace in all sorts of ways. I didn't bring them up to the front there. My keys. Uh, Blake, can you get my keys? I trust you. Just go through. Watch out for the hanky. Okay, thanks. This This proves that there's no peace. And if you've got keys, it proves to you that there's no peace. Because if you've got keys, it means you had to lock up your place before you came here. And out of curiosity, there's usually at least one person who is the exception, who, when they left their car today, as they're coming into church, who did not lock up their car? There's always someone. There isn't. Okay, you're very average. Okay, because you don't trust everyone. 
There's no peace. There's no way. The only peace you have is if you actually sort of orchestrate in your life so that you can make sure you don't get robbed or you don't get broken into in your own home. Um, the keys become a symbol of there is no peace. It's a lie when people actually say, we really hope for a time that there's going to be peace on earth. Um, some of you have probably even re, uh, received maybe a Christmas card with that stuck on the front of it. Peace on earth. <coughs> Not before Jesus returns. There's a psalm that is often quoted at funerals that is supposed to bring peace or comfort to people. It's Psalm 23. You know the one, the Lord is my shepherd? You know that? It's meant to show people when a person is trusting in God, there is hope. There is hope particularly for peace in their life um, that in the future that gives them peace now. And uh, someone rewrote that psalm, Psalm 23, and they called it Psalm 23 Antithesis. That's the opposite of Psalm 23. What you experience if God is not in the equation. So um, I'm going to get Di to actually read out Psalm 23, and I'm going, to, I'm going to insert in that this poem called Psalm 23 Antithesis. Let's go. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. <clears throat> he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me, deadlines, and my need for approval, they drive me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. They demand performance from me. Beyond the limits of my schedule, they anoint my head with migraines, my in-basket overflows only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live surely fatigue and time pressures shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever which of those Psalm 23's best represents your life but when the shepherds were given news about peace and they were offered hope for peace from the great shepherd himself, the Lord, everything changed. It was only after this good news was given 
that the shepherds were then given a sign to actually do something with it. To um, They've heard the good news, so what do you do about it? And this is uh, in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby, pretty common, wrapped snug, snugly in cloth, pretty common, and lying in a feeding trough in a manger. That's a bit more uncommon. The hope, the reason for hope for peace is going to be found in something very, very small, very mundane, that most people would say, I saw it, but I didn't see the significance of it. This little baby. The shepherds, they were given a reason for believing that peace was coming. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he, that is God, is pleased. This was the reason that was given, that the peace was coming. And it's in that, that one sentence in the Bible in verse 14. In that sentence, we've got two huge themes in the Bible. One's much larger than the other. The first and foremost is God's glory. Notice that? Glory to God in the highest. That's how it starts. That word glory, for a Jew, the actual word itself, it, it sort of literally means heavy. And you've got the idea it weighs a lot. It's something that is big, something that is important. And it's about God having the biggest reputation. And the idea of light, when it shines out, it's, it's, everything is pointed towards him. He's number one. And that comes first for the angels, giving glory to God. And it's a picture of where our focus should be as well. You want to talk about hope? You want to talk about hope for peace? Don't do it without putting God at the beginning of the equation. Don't stick him at the end. It's about God having the biggest reputation. That comes first for the angel, and it should come first for us as well. It's only then that we can see why peace is possible. Now, you got this? This is, if you're looking for, searching for peace... This is the only way. It's linked to God's reputation. That might be a new thought for you, but he said it. God said, this is what I'm going to do. And if he said it, and it didn't come true, then what does that do for God's reputation? It shatters his reputation. His reputation, his glory, would be damaged. And that is not going to happen as far as God is concerned. The hope for peace is going to come because God has committed himself to it. God has sent a saviour, verse 11, and people are going to be saved. Not all people, but people are going to be saved because God's glory is at stake. The shepherds weren't given all the details about what's going to be happening with this baby and how this baby, this little baby, can be God's plan to bring us a hope for peace. But God's saviour had come to complete his mission of bringing peace by dying on a cross. Now, I wonder if these same shepherds who went around after they saw the little baby Jesus and they remembered how it was linked to the message from the, from the angels... <clears throat> their family and their friends, and they were talking about, they would have been excited, talking about the little baby in the manger. They, they, eh, 
but to actually say that the baby is a prediction of what the angels said that they would be finding, that brings it, gives it significance. I wonder if after 30 years, or between 30, 33 years later, I wonder if they were able to put two and two together, if they were still around Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem to Jerusalem, it's not that far. So maybe some of the people who'd heard actually from the angels themselves, from the shepherds themselves, or even maybe some of the shepherds, could they put two and two together and say that the man called Jesus, who was put on a cross and was being crucified at that time, if they could relate that back to the story of how the angels said, for unto you a child is given. This child is going to be the saviour, the saviour Jesus. Uh, now, just putting it from God's perspective here, as is presented, how far would you go to keep your promises? God's made some amazing promises, but look at how he kept his promises. Look at what it cost him. That first Christmas was a, a gift from God that is phenomenal. God went all the way by giving us his only beloved son. And that's why we have an absolutely rock solid reason to hope for peace uh, we sang it before my hope oh actually we sang it this morning I don't think we did tonight my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness that's the rock solid reason to hope for peace that's how God brings peace with us between himself and us the great war to end all wars which is the, the wall of sin, of rebelling against God, that's what sin is, was done at the cross. It was completed at the cross. Your rebellion and my rebellion against him made you and me God's enemy. And only the sacrifice of the Saviour, Jesus Christ, the little baby in the manger who grew up to die on this cross, either has or could make you God's friend again. Isn't that awesome? Then you have peace that Jesus says, um, this peace I give you, the world doesn't know anything about it because they didn't understand the first Christmas and they didn't understand Easter. <clears throat> there is a warning here. It's, it's, actually, it's pretty clear, but for a lot of people it seems to be hidden. The, the warning, and it's easily missed, who is the good news for? First of all, verse 10, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That little word, the, in front of people, it could be referring to all the people of Judah. So it's uh, something that the Messiah, the, uh, the Christ, is the one that the Jews were expecting. Or it could be all the people. The news at that point is actually quite indiscriminate. It's going out to everyone and it's falling on all, all sorts of people's ears. <clears throat> um, very often, I would imagine that if you watch TV and you're looking at the news, at the end of the news, you click it off and you say, oh, that's either really good or that's really bad. But do you say, how am I supposed to live now? How does it change the way that I live? Now... Um, I'm presuming many of you have been just keeping tabs on where the fires are, the ones that have started, the ones that are actually going out. 
we, we have sensitivity to it, don't we? And even if we're not uh, directly affected, um, it's uh, something that we need to be informed about just so that we can pray about it. Um, I'm a member of an online forum that is actually based in America, and it's not a, a, a Christian organisation, but there's a number of Christians in it. And um, there's uh, one of the guys, he put onto the, uh, the forum, um, uh, he uh, just posted uh, saying, oh, all of the Australians uh, over there, uh, maybe the um, rest of us um, Americans, we're not quite aware of what's happening in Australia. And uh, he said, yeah, we need to be... Um, and he knew he was talking to non-Christians as well. He said, we need to have um, our thoughts right for our friends in Australia and, and, and pray for them, for those who um, want, want to pray or can pray, that they, they see prayer as an important thing. Um, <clears throat> and I had an opportunity then to actually talk about our little area and about what's happening here. And there was another guy on the forum from Tasmania and he, was, he gave the sort of the big picture about what's happening in Australia. So they were able to actually have a bit of an idea of what's happening. But the thing is, over in America, they've got this news, but what do they do about it? How does it change them? Now, for some of them, they actually um, worked out, oh, we're actually going to try to support some people over in Australia. You know, and they, they're working out all oh, different ways that they are able to uh, support um, fire victims. That's great. That's the way that news should work, isn't it? That you have news and then you're able to do something with it. Now, here's the warning <clears throat> in this passage. How we respond to God's news is so critical. It's so important. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favours. Or, <clears throat> if you've got the ESV, among those for whom he is blessed. How do we please God? This is the, if, if it's the message, if the news is that um, this is great news for those, peace on earth to people he favours, people that uh, he is pleased with, how do you know you please God? How do you know you are favoured among the people that God favours? Well, you know if you are turning to God's saviour. That's how you know. To reject the good news is to actually turn it into the absolutely worst possible news you could ever get. Because the Bible says this is the only way that we have hope for peace. To reject God's saviour is to reject being saved. There are people who are going, have gone to their graves effectively shaking their fist at God, and others who are going there very quickly uh, with their rude finger directed to God all the way. Sometimes people send the message in subtler ways by just ignoring God, but God gets the message quite loud and clear. And they will be treated as someone who has rejected God's saviour. They've rejected God's salvation plan. Their future is, remember we're talking about we have a hope for peace, their future is hopeless because they've rejected the only hope that is true for peace. To reject the saviour means you remain unsaved. And for the shepherds, they were given details about the saviour. In verse 11, the details are so precise. His name is Jesus. 
He's the Messiah or the Christ, the anointed one. And he is Lord, their true king. Uh, or another way of calling it, saying that is it's, um, he is their true boss. If you uh, like Colin Buchanan, okay, uh, Jesus is the mighty, mighty king. He's the boss of everything. His name is Jesus. There is a reason for hope, for peace, because God does offer hope to all people, but only in Jesus. So uh, the question is, is God pleased with the way that you have responded to Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Is he your boss? Have you responded to Jesus, the Prince of Peace? Now, this Christmas break, it's a great opportunity to think about where you stand with Jesus. And for those who have turned to Jesus, can I, I just want to finish with something that I hope will be a great encouragement. It's from the Apostle Paul in the letter of Philippians, where he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, in other translations it's got, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May this be an encouragement and a challenge to you. In Jesus' name, amen.